I, I've entitled this, this is from a series, He Loves Us. And so I, I really felt impressed to do a, a message, uh, a series of messages on He Loves Us, because knowing that God loves you, it will cause you to see everything differently in life. It will cause you to walk through life uh, with great confidence. And, and then you are strengthened by the love that God has for you. Uh, you know, you can tell people who are loved. You can say, see children who are greatly loved. You can see a woman who's greatly loved or a man who's greatly loved. And they always act different. They have a little swagger. Yeah. yeah. Some of these little children walking around here, they know they're loved. They're just, you know. I say, hey, hey baby. Hi, Pastor. They, they, they know they're loved. You know, and, and, and a woman who, know, who knows she's loved acts the same way. Believers who know their love comport themselves differently than those who don't have a clue. I mean, knowing that you're loved by God will get you through all kinds of difficulties, trials and tribulations. It'll get you through it. doesn't matter what the world is throwing at you. It just gets you through it because you know that you're loved. Uh, yeah, know that you're loved. <clears throat> and so I've entitled this one, What Love? In that, with an exclamation point, so I called uh, Jadira and said, uh, 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 Sister Jadira, who is our children's church worker, director, I said, I, 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 I've ne I was taught that you never put an exclamation point uh, at, on your subject, but I sure want to, so what do you think? So we decided we wouldn't put one on there. I just shouted out. <laughs> but, but what love? This is what John is saying to us. I'm going to read the, the whole nine verses because uh, I tried to preach this two times ago, two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, and I got to two verses. And so I tried to do it this morning. I got to three. So I'm going to read the whole thing so I don't have to do a part three here. <laughs> Just read all the verses. John, 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. Um, now, I cannot hear myself very well, so if I'm talking too softly, you can just wave at me, and I will shout out. Verse 1, Behold what manner <clears throat> of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him, in Christ, purifies himself just as he, Christ, is purified. Verse 4, now, there seems to be a transition here, and I want you to catch this transition. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, 
for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. John says some things that are complicated, they're hard to understand. Uh, some uh, uh, theologians would say that keep on sinning. But as I, I've continued my study in this, uh, you, you find that there is no, no sense of keep on sinning in, in the Greek language. So it doesn't say that. So he means something deeper, and, and we hope to get to it. And I'm going to do my best to get to that today with you. Because let me just say, in case I don't get there, that, that the admonition is that Christ is pure. He ha there's absolutely no sin in him. And you and I are in Christ. Therefore, there should be no sin in us, and we'll have to examine that. The greatest uh, theological minds uh, don't agree on that, but John meant what he said, and he said what he meant. And what that means is we cannot be casual about sin. That's what, what he's saying. You cannot be casual about sin. A lot of believers will say, well, I know he loves me. I know, I, I know what I'm doing is wrong, but he loves me, and, I, and I'm fine. Well, you're not fine. And, and so we'll, we'll get into that. Perhaps we'll, we'll uh, take it apart a little bit later, should we have time. And if not, you come back Wednesday and I'll take it. <laughs> Verse 1, he says, Behold, what man of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. And what John is saying is this is incomparable love that God has bestowed, given to us, lavished upon us that we who were fallen creatures, should be called children of God. And when he talks about children of God, he's saying that we are born ones. We are born of God. We, uh, we are not just adopted. We are adopted, but not only adopted. We are born ones. And we'll talk a little bit about what that means in a moment. So John tells us that God has bestowed this amazing love upon us, uh, that we should be called children of God, therefore the world does not know us. And so he explains what happens to us in life. The world doesn't know you. The world doesn't appreciate you. The world wants to spit you out. He says that's because the world didn't know Jesus. The, the, therefore the world does not know us because it did not know Jesus. You know, he came to his own. His own received him not, Scripture says. But those who received him, to them he gave the authority, the power to become sons of God. He gave them the right to become sons of God, uh, uh, children of God. So, so he says, we, God gave us the authority and the right to become born ones of God. That's amazing that you and I now are born of the Spirit. He shows us his great love by, by uh, saying to us in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So that's, that's enough right there. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so he is telling us that, that God so loved us that he gave his son to die for us on the cross. That's huge. The world does not understand that. The world does not understand that kind of love. 
the world does not under, I've under, understand. I've heard uh, people in the world saying, that's a crazy idea. No God who is God would give his son for anybody. That makes no sense. So they cannot comprehend it. They can't perceive it. They cannot grasp it. It's, it's too otherworldly for the world. That is, it's in another, from another realm that somebody would love you so much that they would give their son to die in your place. So John is exclaiming, what love the Father has bestowed upon us. What love? He wants you to understand it because this love of God is going to strengthen you. I used to think that I love God. I mean, it was part of my maturation. I used to say to the Lord sometimes, I would say, I said, God, I don't know what's going on with me. I don't know what's, what's happening. But this is one thing I know. I love you. And then one day he, he showed me, son, what you are experiencing is not your love for me. It's my love for you. So he, he, it was so beautiful. So the love that God had for me caused me to love him. The scripture says we love him because he first loved us. So God loving you has caused you to be a loving and a lovable person. I, I, I want to just stop there just for a moment uh, without intention. I didn't have any intention of stopping there. But I want to stop there to say God loving you makes you better. It makes you better. If you're not getting better, you're not grasping, understanding. You're not laying hold of God's love. God's love is there, but you're not laying hold of it. Paul tells us that he wanted to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus had laid hold of him. So God has laid hold of you with his love that you might lay hold of the love of God. So, okay, that's very important. And this is going to strengthen you in life. It's not enough to say I'm a Christian. We must walk it out. All of us, we must walk it out. And, the, and if, the, if there were ever a time when we needed to walk it out, it's now. When you, you, you know, I used to be a news junkie. You know, I, I was locked in news. I was... Since I was a young adult, I love the news. As, as a matter of fact, when I was a teenager, a kid, I used to watch every evening Walter Cronkite. Yeah, I, I wanted to know what was going on in the world. But now the news is depressing. It's horrible, crazy stuff. And so be careful how you get involved in that. He talks about loving, and so we, we know that we need to love because the world needs real love, the love of God, the love of God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7, uh, Paul says, he, he says, but God. He's talking about but God who is rich in mercy. But bef before he says that, he is showing us the deplorable state that we, uh, mankind, were in. We were in a terrible place. Didn't know God, dead in trespasses, dead in sins, but God who is rich in mercy, he says. That means undeserved kindness. God who is rich in undeserved kindness because of his great love with which he loved us. Because of his great love. So God's great love informs this mercy. This great love, his love is so great that he is 
always generous and ready to give undeserved kindness. There's no one in this room who deserves the goodness of God. Absolutely not one of us. We don't deserve it. He, he gave it. Sometimes we feel like, well, I deserve it. I, I saw a commercial on television. Uh, maybe it was the, uh, the night I came in, uh, Friday night, late night, and uh, somebody was saying, a commercial saying, oh, you deserve it. And I thought, that's, that's the way the world looks at it. But this is, the mercy of God is not deserved, undeserved. And so he says, God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. That's so big. So, so we didn't deserve the mercy. Come on, everybody here. We didn't deserve the mercy, but God who is so rich uh, that, he, that even when we were dead, he loved us in our death. We had nothing to give, nothing to offer, but he loved us. And when we were dead in trespasses, and, and his undeserved kindness made us alive. Made us alive. So what he is saying is, if you are dead, you can't give anything. You really don't, can't say, I'm worth something. So God's love makes you worth something. So everybody here is now worth something. You have worth because of the goodness of God. I just love that song that we sing. All of my life you've been faithful. All of my life you've been so, so good. That's amazing. And so this is what we're finding in these passages. John wants us to know how much God loves us. Now, 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 now let me just move on. He made us alive together with Christ when we were dead. And then he says, parenthetically, by grace you have been saved. So, so the, Paul wants to drive home the point that, that it was by the grace of God that we've been saved. That we were dead and he made us alive. So he made us alive together with Christ. And it's by grace that he's done that and raised us up together in Christ and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So look at what he's done. We were dead in trespasses. Dead. Could not find God. But he made us alive together with Christ. Raised us up together with Christ. And thirdly, made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is what I wish I could convey to all the church is that positionally, as far as God is concerned, you and I are in heaven, seated at his right hand. As far as he's concerned, God is not going to lose anyone who is in Christ. He's not going to lose anyone. It doesn't matter what you think, how you grew up. He's not going to lose anyone who is in Christ. Because if he could lose someone in Christ in time and space, local, time and space, localized. He can't keep us in eternity. But the truth is, he keeps us now and then. And as far as he's concerned, we are there with Christ because in Christ we're there. Why? Because that's where God placed us. Christ is called the beloved, so we are in the beloved of God. That should strengthen you against every attack of the enemy. That you are 
safe in Jesus Christ, and there's absolutely nothing the enemy can do to take you out. He can't find you. Now, why does he, did he sit us together, make us alive, uh, raise us up together with Christ, sit us uh, together in the heavenly places in Christ? Why? He says he had a specific purpose, and this is your future. This is your future. You don't have to try to work your future. Paul tell, tells us in Ephesians 2.10, he says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He never called us to work the works. He called us to walk in the works. You walk in the works. They're prepared works. Can I say a couple of things for you? When I was a little boy, I used to say things that I couldn't have said on my own. I mean, I didn't know what a horizon was. But I, I, I would look at the horizon, and I always wanted to know, I wanted to go over there where the earth and the sky met. And that was God putting that in my mind and putting it in my heart. And, and not only that, I, I, as a little boy, I used to say, I want the world to be a better place because I lived. I want to make the world better. I was saying that to my cousin Dennis. We were talking. I want the world to be better because I lived. I didn't have a clue as to what I was saying. What am I telling you? I'm telling you God is at work in us, doing mighty things. He says he made us alive together. He had a purpose making us alive. He had a purpose raising us up together, making us sit together in heavenly places. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So God has done all this so that in the ages to come, you will still be here. You will still be in the presence of God because he's going to show forth all of his greatness through you. That, that's, may I say, that's mind-blowing. We are not the prize. Christ is. But it's Christ in us that is the hope of glory. It's, it's Christ in us that makes us greater, great. That's what he says, it's Christ in us. Greater is he who is within you. That he was in the world. And so, whenever these difficulties come, don't worry. Don't worry. Now, John says something in, in uh, John 15. I want our young people to really listen to this. John 15, verse 18, uh, 18 through 21, he says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. I want you young people to know, because you're Christians, I know what it's like. I never had this explained to me when I was a Christian. I was just told, oh, baby, go through. Just go through, baby. Go through, baby. But let, all you young people, says, if the world hates you, know that it hated Jesus before it, it, it hated you. And so that means that you will not always be accepted by your peers in school. You will not be accepted because you're different. Now, don't go around telling people, I'm different. <laughs> we don't do that, right? Right, but you are different. You, uh, everybody won't gravitate to you. They won't find, it, find you to be somebody, a pal. Oh, occasionally, God will give you somebody, but overall, it will not happen. I've lived a long time, and I've seen our children not treated the way we want them to be treated in that, in that atmosphere. They're not treated the right. Sometimes our children despair, and they go, well, I want to compromise. They don't call it that, but they go, I want friends. You know? And they want to compromise to have friends who are not going to the same destination. 
they're not yet going to the same destination. So what I'm, I want to do is encourage you that the world will not accept you. The scriptures, that word hate, hate you, that means actually the world will detest you, will detest you. And Jesus says here, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. I didn't understand that when I was your age. Nobody explained it to me like I'm explaining it to you now. He says, if, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet, because you are not of the world, young people, you are not of the world. You are not of that world system. It's a system that hates God. He says, but I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. So Jesus is saying, I chose you out of the world. I brought you out of that world, out of that system that, that is, is, die, is dead and dying, as it were. I brought you out of that system that opposes God. And therefore, they don't, they don't like you. They hate you. So this is a reality. But let's walk it out. Let's walk it out. Let's don't sit there and say, well, they hate me. No, walk it out. Walk it out. Bless God. And then Jesus says, remember the word, verse 20, remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. A servant is not greater than his master. How many of you know that a servant is not greater than his master? Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. Now, Jesus is saying they will do these things free, uh, against you because of me. They will do this because that system opposes God. And, and I talk to you a lot about that because a part of our frustration as believers is that we're trying to adapt to a system that opposes God. We cannot adapt to a system that opposes God. All right? And in verse 2, he says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. So, so John wants us to know that we're not going to be children of God in the resurrection. We are right now children of God. And just like they didn't know Jesus when he was here, the Son of God, they don't recognize you as children of God. They can't perceive it. They can't see it because you have to be born again to see the kingdom. You have to be born again to enter the kingdom. And those who are not born again don't know who you are. But you know what's sad? But it's really sad to me and some of us don't know who we are. I mean, we, we, are you going to believe the report or you have to feel the report? You have to believe the report, not feel the report. He says that, but we know, it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. Why? For we shall see him as he is. Wow. Paul says, uh, John rather says in verse 3, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Just as he is pure. He purifies himself, and so, so in Christ there's no sin. And so what John is saying is that you cannot indulge sin and think you're in him. It's just an impossibility. Cannot be. It's amazing. Then he, it, so then he goes on to say, this is where the transition takes place when he says in, in verse 3, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So if you have this amazing hope, 
of being like him, you purify yourself. That is, you deal with sin in your life. If you have sin in your life and you've made a peace treaty with sin in your life, it's indicative, it's indicative that I, either you don't know him or you're not in him. You don't, you don't realize it or you're not in him. You can be uh, making mistakes and, and sinning and, and just kind of not, not really being aware. But if you keep on doing that, that's an indicator. So John says, you make sure that you do what is right. That's what John says. And then in verse 4 he says, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. So every time you, and I, you or I commit sin, we are showing we are lawless. We're like outlaws is what John is saying. Wow, isn't that terrible? We're like outlaws. So never sin willingly. If you happen to slip into something, so to speak, so to speak, you have to slip into something, get out quickly. Take a good shower. Amen. In the word of God and prayer and repentance. All right. And in 1 John 5, 17, he tells us, all unrighteousness is sin. A person who sins does what is wicked, and sin is wickedness. John is insisting on that. Sin must not be taken lightly. When I, when I, when I saw that, uh, it reminded me of some uh, words of David, uh, David in 1 Samuel chapter 24, verses 12 and 13. He says, speaking of Saul, he says, let the Lord judge between you and me and let the Lord avenge me on you. But my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancients says, wickedness proceeds from the wicked. That just brought those words back. So don't ever get so angry that you figure uh, it's all right for me to take matters into my own hands. Never become that angry whether with your, your hands or your mouth. And then he says, verse 5, And you know that he was manifested, Jesus, to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Jesus came into the world, endured this darkness, and ultimately died a cruel death on the cross to do away with sin. Therefore, sin must never be treated lightly. If, if you are hearing me today, do not treat sin lightly. Verse 6 says, whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's why Jesus was manifested. Now notice verse 9. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. But I, I'm going to say this very quickly, and, and this doesn't do justice. I believe the scripture means what it says. I don't believe that, that, that we can just try to make it fit uh, our lifestyle or what we think it ought to say. I believe he means that. But this is what I think John means. I think he means that in your spirit, man, in your new heart, and in your spirit, you cannot sin. Because that place is totally born of God. 
Absolutely. So that means that if I do something, it was not me doing it. It was sin in my members because in my heart, my new heart, in my recreated spirit, I do not sin. There's absolutely no desire for it. I abhor sin in me. That's what he means. Now, we are working out the practices, the stuff, the head, the soul, the mind, the will, the thinking. What is here? I'm totally saved here. Forever saved here. Jesus lives here. The Holy Spirit is here. But boy, he's, he's, he's taken over my thinking, my past, all, all of that. He is dealing with that now. And one day, this, my soul, will be as my heart and my new spirit. It will be. And then one day later, I'll get a new body where it is totally free of sin. And you and I will be totally sinless spirit soul and body and Jesus will share his immortality with us forever and ever and ever and ever hallelujah that's what he means in Jesus name in Jesus name oh Jesus name in Jesus name amen 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 thank you Lord as we're preparing for communion I want to know if there's anybody you've heard the message today and you say pastor I want you to pray for me that I would give my heart to Jesus alone, that I'll be saved. I want you to pray for me. Is there anybody who would raise your hand? Just stick it up. I, want, I see hands. Yes, I see hands. One, two. I see several hands. Do I see? Yes, I see hands. Is there anybody else? Hands, hands. <clears throat> Why don't we do this? <clears throat> Why don't we just keep your hands lifted and just pray this with me. Father, <clears throat> I come to you. Because I need salvation. I, I desire to be free of sin. I, would, I ask you to accept me in your family. Forgive me today. Forgive me today. Make me a new creation. I receive you through your son Jesus. I repent of sin. And I walk away from it. Help me to walk away from it. Thank you today for forgiving me and for saving me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now you pray that, you mean that. God did that. Amen? God did that.